listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. My brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you his peace. Amen. Um, so at the end of my last homily, the earlier mass, a, a woman came up to me and said, that was so depressing. <laughs> We're going to try to do a little better this time. Um, now, I know when we come to church, we don't want to hear politics from the pulpit, which is true. But um, I just want to acknowledge that about half of our country is just really, really happy this morning. Another half of our country is really, really sad this morning. And uh, whichever side of that you fall, just try to remember the other guy. And uh, maybe the thing that we can all come together on is praying. So I just want to begin by thanking all of you for being here. Um, the obligation to go to Mass is still kind of lifted because of the virus. So uh, you're here because you want to be here, at least maybe most of you. <laughs> and uh, there is no better thing we can do than to come together and pray. I have a hunch, even for me as a priest, Deacon Al, you too. <laughs> We don't understand how powerful prayer is, how important it is. And so here we are, we're coming together as God's family in God's house to pray, to worship, to ponder God's word, to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Thank you so much for being here. Let's pray for God's mercy, God's blessing on our country. Um, the readings today are kind of interesting. Um, I love this time of year. You know, at the end of November, we come to the end of the liturgical year in the church and the beginning of December, we have uh, Advent, which is like New Year's Day. And um, here at the end of the liturgical year, Mother Church gives to us all of the passages in the Bible that talk about the end of time. Oh, I just, I love it. I just, my favorite readings in the whole Bible are, are these readings. And um, it's so uh, beautiful and terrifying and interesting and a little confusing and yeah, so um, today is no exception. We, we have these readings, and I want to begin by noting that what Jesus is saying today in this parable about the ten virgins and the bride and the groom and the, the lamps and the oil, uh, what Jesus is saying here is very consistent with what he says in other places as well. So like what we have today is a real clear aspect of God's own teaching. And um, also, I want to acknowledge that what we're hearing, what we see here, is also very consistent with what we know about weddings at the time of Christ. So we have an example of something here that's really authentic. And, you know, weddings were very different, kind of interesting. And uh, apparently there would be a couple of stages. And uh, when it came time for the wedding itself, it would be like a week-long celebration. And there was this thing where the bride with her bridesmaids... In this case, there's 10 of them. They would be waiting for the arrival of the groom who would come with his best men and there would be a procession and they would usually delay and come like late at night and then there would be uh, coming together and, he, and there would be a party and, and coming together under one roof and there's this whole thing that was part of the ritual for what weddings look like in this time. And um, it's also worth noting that in the Bible, Again and again and again and again and again, the, uh, the scriptures use a wedding as, an as a metaphor or an analogy for what is waiting for us in heaven. Right? Later on in the Mass, I'll lift up Jesus in the Eucharist and I'll say, blessed are those called to the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's from the book of Revelation. At the end of time, what's waiting for us, the best way to understand it is this wedding where uh, 
the bride, the church, will be wedded to God, to Jesus, the bridegroom. So there's something very beautiful and profound happening here, and uh, also very challenging. That's what I want to bring out for us this morning. So I want to focus on a curious line, a detail in the story. I don't know, did you catch it? The groom finally comes, and five of the the bridesmaids were foolish. They had no oil for their lamps, so they, they went off to buy oil. And while they're away, he arrives, and then they go in for the wedding feast. And did you catch the detail? Then the door was locked. And then the foolish ones finally show up, right? But they're late, and he doesn't let them in. And uh, what is that detail? What is that telling us? Well, I think what's really clearly being indicated by this detail about the door being locked, it's telling us about what it means to die. So I want to quote two short passages for you from the Catechism, which I love, this Catechism, so, so good on dying, on death. It's one of my favorite topics. I know that's a little weird. Okay. So listen to what the Catechism tells us about death. Death is the end of man's earthly pilgrimage, of the time of grace and mercy, which God offers him so as to work out his earthly life in keeping with the divine plan and to decide his ultimate destiny. That's paragraph 1013. And then 1021, one of my favorite lines in the whole catechism, no exaggeration. Death puts an end to human life as the time open to either accepting or rejecting the divine grace manifested in Christ. That's what it means by this thing, the door is shut. My brothers and sisters, we are all going to die. The end of the liturgical year, Mother Church gives us these readings about death, about the end of time. And what happens when you die? Um, Your soul is separated from your body and you go before God for your judgment, to give an account for every moment of your life. Um, That's a little, you see my knees shaking. (laughs) um, It is like a door that gets shut and locked. Um, We have life that we know now. During this time, right, there's day turns into day. You grow, you develop. You have an opportunity to cooperate with God's grace. That ends when you die. The moment of your death You are who you are. And I think this is one important thing Jesus is hinting at with the oil. You know, um, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But when you go before God, you are judged, you give an account to God for your life. Um, I think it's foolish to think that uh, you radically become a different person from who you are. You know, some people think, well, I'm just going to kind of ignore God. And then when I'm getting close to death, maybe then I'll, you know, set things right with my maker. And uh, I think that's really foolish, right? That's the word, the foolish maidens here. Um, I once heard a priest give an analogy, which I found really helpful, about the potter and the the clay. That's another metaphor the Bible uses. God is the potter, we are the clay. And you imagine a potter as he works the clay, right? There's the wheel and it's, it's malleable and he's working it. And when he finally gets the pottery to the shape that they want, then it's taken to the kiln to be fired, right? And at that moment, it becomes hardened. And after that fire, um, you no longer can shape the pottery, right? It's done. And I think death is going to be like that. You are who you are. But up until the moment of death, this is the time where uh, we can grow with uh, God's grace. But then 
There's this door that gets shut and locked, and, and this, is, this is that moment of death, and you give an account to God for your choices in this life. Okay, now the oil. What is the story with this oil? Well, remember that in the time of Jesus, there was no electricity. So the people had a little clay lamp, again, pottery, and they would have oil in it, right, to light the, the flame. And um, curiously, the, the early church fathers would uh, look at this parable of Jesus, and uh, they would say that the lamp is your faith, and the oil is good works. And they're making reference there to James chapter 2, verse 17. In the, in the New Testament, the letter of James, it says, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And so what this oil, what it represents is our cooperation with God's grace, our cooperation with the coming of his kingdom, our prayers, our good works, our efforts. That's what the oil is. That's what it represents. So for people who don't live their life for God, who are not trying to cooperate with God's grace and they're just running around foolishly, it's foolish to think, well, at the end of life, now I'm gonna somehow go and get oil. It's like they can't share the oil it's like nobody can share with you their own grace. You know, that's on you. You know, and it's, it's not like you try to get the oil at the last minute. That's what your whole life is for. Your whole life is about cooperating with God's grace, growing in your relationship with him, and filling your lamp with that oil. Isn't that beautiful? Um, so, to conclude... Um, and this is the part I think the lady thought was a little depressing, so I'm going to try to word it a little better, okay? To conclude, I believe at the very heart of what Jesus is teaching here is a very important message, and it's a message we really need to hear. What Jesus is saying is, you are here to live for God. You are here to live for God. Every aspect of your life has to be centered on your faith. You know, it's not enough just to go to Mass on Sunday. There's also six other days of the week, right? It's not just a Sunday thing. It's a call to integration, to integrate all aspects of your life with your faith, your relationship with God. Um, it's not just how you act here in church, but it's also how you act at home, at work, at school, in your neighborhood. It's a call to integrity and to... Um, to be authentic. We have a problem. We have a lot of people who are saying that they're Catholic and have radical contradictions to their faith in their life. Very foolish to say you believe in God, but then you support all kinds of evil things. Don't be that person. <laughs> you know, There is a call to live for God, to let your faith inform every aspect of your life, to realize why are we even here? We're here to love God and love our neighbor, to cooperate with the coming of his kingdom, to be a light in the darkness. That's what a lamp does, right? To bring truth to where there's error, to bring goodness to where there's evil, to bring forgiveness and mercy where there is sin and woundedness, to live for Jesus. That is the filling of the lamp with the oil. And don't wait till the very end to try to do that. That is, your whole life is for that. The moment is coming. Will you live a life where you are focused on getting ready for the coming of the groom, the coming of Jesus, the coming of God, to be invited to that beautiful wedding banquet 
where we will be united with him forever. How beautiful. And um, so it is a little serious, but it's also very beautiful and encouraging. Let's, you know, let's do that. Let's prepare. Let's be focused on what's really important to cooperate with his grace, to be uh, prepared to welcome the bridegroom when he comes. Amen? Amen. You've been listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars, the renewal. Please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media, CFR underscore Franciscans. Thank you.